You're listening to the World Football Program with all the latest updates from both local and international football. Football Program, Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. Myself, Penny Tanner-Hoth, Pete Sakila, and... Oh, oh, no, far out. I practice that every fortnight. Are you saying I got it wrong? It's slightly wrong. Go yeah. on, go on, give it to me. Skeela. Skeela. Rhymes with tequila. You shouldn't ever forget it now. <laughs> and Miranda Templeman. Good morning, everyone. Morning. Morning. And listeners, and a big thank you to Peter Wright, who posts incessantly and continually on the World Football Program page. Really do appreciate it. Such a great variety of everything. Everybody who jumps on that page and likes it and posts everything about football, we do appreciate that. Contributes to discussions on air and off air. Love it. That's what football's about. Lots of opinions and people getting together, more and more people getting together at the moment, which is great. Working towards countdown of boots on grass and matches happening next Sunday. Not Looking this Sunday. forward to it. Following Sunday, yep. How's Coburn going, Pete? Are you anything to do I with them? I have nothing to do with Coburn anymore. Okay. Um, that sounded harsher than I meant it to. <laughs> okay. uh, my son's not playing this season, so I have no involvement. Yeah, did, did you do the, the average seven-year involvement for the Actually, parenting? I think pretty much, yeah. That yeah. was It was seven seven years and he's um, he's 14 now and has decided that, that soccer's not his thing. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, you gave it a go, so that's all right. Mm. Um, so, yeah. I feel that my daughter might get to that point when she reaches about the 14 or 15 age group. It's kind of that dropout period, I think, for a lot of females, but generally for teenagers. Yeah, yeah. and then they, they sort of get back to it around 28, 29 go, geez, I wish I had kept playing. Certainly <laughs> that's what I did. And you can go back to it. Yeah, you can. It's the world's most participated sport, biggest profile, biggest branding. Actually, can we still say all of that? Hmm. Oh, I'm pretty I sure. So. I don't think anything mm. else would have come along, you know, Ultimate Frisbee maybe, but I think football's still bigger than that. I like Ultimate yeah. Frisbee. There's just not enough clubs around yet. 
Yes. So sports start next week, Sunday week, for juniors, amateurs and some of the state leagues, cross men, women and masters. And then a couple of weeks after that is the upper end of football, so to speak. That'll be the NPL, women's the NPL. third of the seventh I've yep. seen. men's NPL. So, yeah, we're still hanging out for some top-end stuff on ter- in terms of national football here, the A-League. Yes, yeah, so there's all sorts the of hub. talk about the A-League coming back and not coming back. and Yeah. So hope- hopefully it does come back. Yep. I-, I did see, I was interested to see MacArthur Rams, who were supposed to be the 12th A-League club, are sort of pushing that they want a discount on their their licence fee, which which is a good sign, which means they're still planning to come back and it yeah. looks like we're still going to have an A-League next year. So there was sort of questions about that. So. Well, we've still got to finish this A-League well, this it's, season. It's almost a case of Sydney's so far ahead. Why yeah. would you bother? I but, know. It's it's a bit of a tough one too. I think of the fans, the A-League fans, the Perth Glory fans, if they have a hub over based in Sydney, then uh, you know, yeah, we you, can't – you can watch the games on TV and that's it. So Hopefully we well, can hope, watch the yeah, games. If, uh, I think it was – was it was – it, Tony was saying, you know, if, if you can't have fans at the game and you can't see them on TV – What's the point in running the league? And I, I have to get behind that. Yeah, a- absolutely. I listened to AFL this week on radio, and I swear that the commentators were making up for the lack of spectators <laughs> in their enthusiasm, passion, and <laughs> <laughs> just volume. They put the um fake applause over yes. the, over the yes. crowd as well. <laughs> I, I'd yeah. like to. I'd like to hang hang stuff on them for that. But I was watching the German Bundesliga, and they were doing it as yeah. well. So you know. Yes, they were. It's very odd, but it's kind of the new norm that we're getting used to. It's, uh, yeah, I, I don't know what to make of that. I think that our Glory fans are certainly going to miss things when things are in the hub. But then again, when they're over there, they're not allowing spectators in anyway for any of the teams. So yeah. everyone's going to miss it. Yeah. So it has to be on television. Like we have to get some kind of broadcasting rights and in a hub system for, well, this will be the end of the A-League season anyway, so I don't know how many games that was, four, four games, six I games? Think that. That, yeah, I think there was still a, like a handful of games. It wasn't like it were one or two games. I think Glory still had, if I can get my website up, Glory still had like seven yeah. games of the regular season left. Mm, that's so decent. We've, we've played 20, so out of 27. And at the moment it's the point where the, it's sort of all over the place. Melbourne City have played 23. Other teams have played 20, 21, 22, so... It's like one big festival of football. Yeah. Somehow we've got to make sense of that. Like when we have a big um, grassroots competition or a Gothic Cup or a Gothic Cup or whatever it is, and we get all these teams together from all these different <laughs> What's places. What's a Gothic Cup? Is that where you get all the black-haired people <laughs> and the pale skin running around? Okay, um, international, intercontinental-type <laughs> cups, smarty. Okay. And we get all these teams together and the canteens break out and go, hooray, we're going to make some money. Yeah. And then the broadcasting or the local TV or YouTube or whatever it is gets on board and, you know, it just goes out there. But can we do that for the end of this A-League season? What's going to happen for the new A-League season? We don't even know because broadcasting hasn't been sorted. Yep. Uh, is it going to go free-to-wear? Is it going to go onto YouTube? How are the fans out there going to see it? How are they going to engage? And this is a big thing for the FFA. Yep. If we don't get broadcasting out there, like you said, Pete, what's the point in having the football? There's no fans and no broadcasting. Mm. It's a big consideration, very big. Okay, we have some partners to thank. Uh, West Coast Futsal is gearing back up for their Super Liga. Uh, Greg Farrell, also of uh, Northern Redbacks in the coaching team there. So they're um, 
looking for nominations for teams for the new season, however that might look. Yep. So get on board to West Coast Futsal. And thank you very much to Louis Prospero and Prosperity Strata Management. If you need any advice about strata management, he's the man. Give him a call. Get on to Prosperity Strata Management website. And thank you very much to Perth Glory. They're always very amenable in getting us um, – interviews with people at the club. We have Tony Pinata on today talking about what Perth Glory are doing right at this moment and um, if there's any definites for things, are there dates set? I don't know if there's dates set for that hub and it's based on this and that and whatever. We'll talk about that um, and what players are staying, what players are going. Yeah, how it works with the, the short term because the players are all off contract now mm, anyway. May 31. Yep. Yep. And I think we'd stop paying them beforehand anyway. So not we, um, the club. Yep. So um, whether there's any bad blood about that, I don't know. Yep, I don't know. And we will also have a chat on the show today with the president of Mum FC, Murdoch University Melbourne Football Club, Michael Ianello, Hannah George, who's the president of Vic Park Soccer Club. Sometimes we have a chat to Andy Arena, Vic Park Victory, otherwise known as a little boutique club and then a very big club, so a bit of a uh, change in what's happening at um, a, a small small business level, so to speak, and then a, a big club and how they're handling things moving back into the start of a, a modified season. We'll have a chat to Hannah Lowry from NTC Glory and Matildas and Tony Pinata. And thank you very much to Oswest Fencing and Gaden Fence Hardware. Appreciate everyone's support and the members out there and listeners. Thank you. All of that said, we're going to go to a break and come back and chat more football, of course, for the next almost two hours on the World Football Program. This is Penn, Pete and Miranda on the World Football Program. Thank you for listening in. See you soon. 107.9 FM, your local station. Because futsal accommodates for players of all skill levels and ages. With four great locations around Perth, we have a time and a venue to suit anyone's busy week. From social men's, women's or mixed games to A-grade competition, we've got you covered. Games are played night and day, indoor and outdoor, all year round. So grab five mates and come down for a game today. Do you want better strata management? Put Prosperity Strata Management at the top of your list. We provide a flat competitive fee with no extra or hidden charges. We provide value for money repairs with contractor prices reviewed regularly. And we provide prompt professional service with 30 years experience, which is why our clients recommend us. Your property is our concern. See prosperitystratamanagement.com.au Station Sponsor. Gate and Fence Hardware WA is your hardware shop online. Find all the parts you need to fix, make and secure your gates and fences. Friendly staff and family offer advice to help your project along or order in your special part. Gate and Fence Hardware WA. 
station sponsor. Welcome back to the World Football Program. Penny, Pete and Miranda in the studio and Michael Ianello, the president of Murdoch University Melville Football Club, Mum FC. Good morning, Michael. Morning, everyone. How are we all? We're good. Um, I'm still not liking the whole title of the Mum FC Club. It's just <laughs> incredibly long. What are we going to do about that, Mike? No, no, Mum FC is fine. Yeah. It's, a, um, it's a good abbreviation. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't see an issue with it, Penny. No, I'll stop saying the full abri- the full title at some point because everyone will just know it. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on the program. How's things looking moving into the start of a modified new normal season? Uh, good to be back next week. Um, it's been a bit of an effort to get to here, so um, looking looking forward to starting. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, we'll see how we go. And 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 to be honest, I think all the membership are looking forward to getting back as well. That that seems to be the sentiment after uh, after the COVID delay. After sitting down and and talking through things, I'm sure all of the clubs around Perth are share exactly the same sentiment, and and the players themselves, and when they do their maths. They'll figure out that the season, although it's going in a different period of time from June through to October, maybe with and without finals, depending which league you're in, will we'll have a comparable number of league weeks. So over those four months, they'll get in a decent amount of football. And if you're on the junior side, that'll continue through the school holidays. So parents might have to keep their um, substitutes you know, ready and their, and their coaches might need to have you know extras ready there. But... Um, I think that everyone should be pretty happy with the way things have panned out fixture-wise. What do you uh, think? Def- def- definitely. Um, from, a, from a few months ago, to get the season up and running in mid-June, um, you wouldn't have thought that that was going to be realistic a- around sort of the March-April um, period of time where, where things, were, um, things were looking pretty grim. Um, so it's been a, a good effort by everyone, uh, state government, football west, local government, clubs, and the membership to actually get to this point where we can start next week. And, I mean, 16 weeks, go at it consecutively. Mm. No one can go on holiday anyway, so that's okay. Yeah. We'll, um, <laughs> we'll just play through and get the season done. Yeah. Do you think that the challenges that you talked about and the grimacing I can hear in your voice in getting to this point is the same thoughts that all the other clubs out there are having regardless of their size? Oh, to some extent. Um, with our size, it obviously makes it even more difficult. We've got different competitions starting at different times, a large membership base that um, you, you need to communicate with constantly to make sure that, that expectations are managed and so that they are reassured that, that we are doing everything we can to get the season up and running. Um, having said that, you know, everyone's got those challenges. Ours probably is on a, little, on a bigger scale, I guess, just, just due to the membership size. I think that the all of the associations, the councils, um, sporting groups, everyone's had a massive um, you know, collaboration and I've looked at some of the other associations around Australia and what they're doing and same thing, but they're coming out with different packages to get going. Um, South Australia have come up with a pretty decent package. Um, I, I noticed that there's registration forfeits and credits and discounts and all kinds of things happening as everyone gets their collaborations up and going. But the, 
the common denominator is that um, we play community sport. We're on community grounds, so we've got to share them. So we've got to work with all the other sharers of those grounds and everyone else wants to have their season as well. So we can't have our usual, we'll finish in September and then we'll start in April because we have a chunk out of our season, they're going to have a chunk out of theirs. So we've all got to be nice about it. And I think people generally have been pretty nice about it, Michael. That's the one one of the positives um, about the whole I guess, COVID situation and the fact that everyone's really come together um, and working collaboratively to actually get an outcome that's suitable for everyone. Um, and, and there's a fair bit of, I guess, sympathy and empathy going around, um, everyone's understanding of, of people's needs and the whole we're all in this together term, obviously that's been bandied around a lot, but but it is true in some respects and, and, and it's good to see that, um, that, you know, different sporting codes, um, different governments have all come together to ensure that we can actually get a, a reasonable outcome from this. Do you think that with the fixtures coming out from Football West that there'll be some mucking around and some jigging around as clubs go, oh, man, there's a few more players pulled out and that team we expected. We're going to have to amalgamate those two teams and then the club over the way says, well, can we amalgamate with you because we've lost a team? Do you think there'll be a bit of this and that? <laughs> Uh, definitely. Um, I'm not. That won't be any different to any other season, though, Penny. We've always got that sort of stuff happening in, in sort of your amateurs and socials level, and, and you get the guys registering three days before the start of the season and then not registering, and you think, okay, we're going to pull out the team now, and the fixtures change. So yep. um, that it'll happen this year, and it'll happen every other year as well. Yeah, yeah. And look, you know, that must be a constant headache for Football West. Must be. So how how is Mum FC looking for numbers going into this new season? We're looking good, uh, better than expected. Um, we do have a, a, a drop from, from what um, our last year's registration number was at this point in time, um, but we've got over 1,200 registered um, at the moment, which you know is, is probably one of the largest um, large reg- registration bases in Perth. Everyone's ready to go. We've got every single team ready, um, and so it's been, a, it's been a big effort, and there's a few superheroes behind the scenes that have put in massive amount of hours to actually get the season ready to go in, in such a short period of time. Yeah. My big question at this moment is what is loyalty? Do you have it, and why do you have it? And I think that one thing that really stands out through this whole period is that if there's no money involved – People will do it because they love it. Like it's showing that we're doing it because we love it. So the volunteers step back in, their kids are playing or their mates are playing or whatever. So they'll band together and they'll do whatever it takes to get the sport happening again. And, right, you yeah. know, at the top end, we're talking A-League, W-League, international football, where there's a lot of money and contractual arrangements that have to get jigged and frigged around. And, oh, my God, there's all these discussions. But at grassroots, people just want to play football. Mm. Yeah. So they'll do whatever Correct. it takes. Yeah. That's right. Yep, you just do it. Anything you can to get back out in the field, um, and and everyone at the end of the day happen to be running around um, and, and kicking the ball. So that's that's the main aim. Yep, and you know we talk about getting numbers with all the associations, um, putting Christian football into it, and futsal football into it, and Masters football, and, and so we can get numbers and bandy and lobbied to the state association and the, and the national association. But when it comes down to it, you, you can't really put numbers on the amount of volunteers and they're the ones that are going to make us tick over. And everyone's going to take a hit to some kind of part of football this year and who knows what that's going to look like next year. But um, 
thank you to all the volunteers that are doing what they're doing to get their kids' sport and adult football up and running because without you doing that, we would not have the sport happen at all. So big thank you from me. Mm. Now, Michael, um, how is it working with Murdoch University, the big collaboration or, or joint venture that happened in the last couple of years? How's that working out? It's working, it's working well. Um, they've got different regulations to what uh, your local government will have in terms of uh, using facilities. So that's just been another, I guess, layer of um, complexity in, in, in trying to get back out on, onto the pitch. Um, at the same time, they've been very accommodating and, and willing to, to work with us, understanding what our timings are. Um, and they've put in a fair bit of effort from their end as well to get, um, to get the facility up and running that we actually use ahead of um, a lot of other facilities in the campus. So, you know, classes and that sort of stuff might not actually be open yet, but um, we're back and, and using the facility. So um, they've been very good in assisting us to get back out there. So did you say the university is open yet or not? I think, you- the, I think the facilities are still closed, the campus. Mm. I think they're still doing online learning. So that's not going to um, they'll be open again from next semester, I believe. Okay. But where oh, Mum FC are allowed to use the facilities. Hmm. Correct. That's good. Yep. Uh, Dave, Connors That's right. just, Dave Connors just popped up and said hello to everyone and mm. he had a kick around on Thursday night. Now, anyone who knows Dave, he was the former president of Mum FC Melville Football Club and he must be, you might hate me if I say this wrong, is he over 70? So like he's in <laughs> Masters Football. David, no, no. No, he had his 40th birthday last week. Oh, right. <laughs> okay, he'll like you, I'm sure. You're just testing to see if he's actually listening, yeah. aren't you? <laughs> Michael must be one of the youngest presidents of Melville for, let's see, who was the president before Dave? Ooh, can't remember. Before Graham Davis. Yeah, yeah, probably so. I reckon one of the youngest presidents for maybe about 15 or 20 years. Uh, don't know, Penny. I, yeah. I don't feel young at the moment after yeah. that. <laughs> well, that's for sure. Yeah, I know. I know. So what's working and, and what's not going through this period, Michael? Is, is there some opportunities that are coming out of it that you're thinking, well, didn't expect that to happen. That's good. We can explore that. We've had a few um, online engagement sessions, um, educating coaches and players um, during the lockdown. That actually worked really well. Um, so that's something that we'll definitely explore um, moving on. Um, that, and, and I think that's, that's been pretty common across all, all businesses as well, you, you know, sort of the online learning um, and, and, and team meetings um, via, you know, Zoom or Microsoft Teams, whatever they use. Um, so we actually tried that as well. That worked, that worked really well. Um, we had a good review of our financial situation and, and augmented a few bits and pieces there just to, to cut spending and, and probably look at um, making the club more sustainable from that point of view as well. So there's always good things to come out of it and um, we've, we've, we've got a couple better down. What do you think about the A-League season overlapping the domestic football season? Oh, look, I, I, don't, I don't mind the idea, actually. I, I, I still think there's a lot of crossover between the, the two sports, to be honest, that, that you can be a fan of, of both and... Um, you're sort of watching one, and you might flick over the other one afterwards. So I, I actually don't, I actually don't see it as being um, too bad of a thing, and it's definitely worth a go this year anyway. That this is the time to try it if, you, if you're going to. Do you think that it would work if the 
summer season changed to winter season for the A-League and ran parallel to the domestic season? It could work. Um, I think it's got its merits. Um, at the same time, a lot of the, I guess a lot of the players of, of football mm. will be playing in the winter and sort of then won't get the opportunity to watch the A-League at the same time. That's, that's always going to be uh, a bit of a difficult one. But, I mean, if they're committed enough to the sport, then they'll dedicate the appropriate time. Mm. Um, I mean, football is a winter sport, so it, that's, the, I guess, the traditional nature of it. So it's probably not a bad idea to try it out and, um, and just see how it goes. If you, and I, without knowing, I guess, the full detail of, of the A-League and sort of the support and attendance around it, I wouldn't have thought it was that high in the Summer League as it is now, so it might be worth giving it a go and just um, see what happens kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, Michael, just a slightly different question. Have you heard anything about the the State Cup competition? I'm, I'm seeing here that it's been cancelled, but I, I can't see an official word anywhere. Do you know if there's a... a... I, believe it, I believe it's been cancelled, Pete, yeah. Okay. Um, I think the rules were updated earlier this week just to suggest that, that that was cancelled. Is that why there was that article um, about Mandurah possibly attracting an international team to a cup? Well, no, I was, I was more curious Finish. about how that's going to affect the, the national FFA Cup, seeing as our top two cup teams go in, mm. um, whether, you know, how they decide who goes in as the um, WA representatives. Yes. Especially oh, seeing as we... Excuse my MSC, that, that, that'll be okay. <laughs> it would we'll, have to um, be, yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, I was going to say they've, they've played the preliminary round, so maybe it can be uh, Polonia and Bunbury United are the two teams that two teams that had a win. Oh, and Bustleton City as well. So yeah, that sounds good. That is interesting. All these consequential things we have to have a think about. Yeah, and the FA, F, FFA, two Fs, yeah, yeah, FFA. that's it. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah, the cup. Um, that has kind of been fantastic on the landscape in terms of how it's been broadcast, put yep. out on YouTube. Yep. Yep. It's, you know, the profile is great. People look forward to wanting to participate in it, get their money together, and travelling into state. Yep. It's um, one of the things I'd hate to see taken off the landscape. Absolutely, but I can't. Oh look, I, I, I mean, it's a challenge to get it up and running this year, but but I, it'll be back next year. I, but yeah. definitely, that, yeah, yeah. that's been um, that's been really good, really engaging. Yep. And what about uh, men's state league and women's NPL, both of which are at Mum FC? How are they travelling and looking into the season? Uh, relatively stable, actually, which is which is good. Um, obviously, we've had to review our. You'd make an awesome situation. politician, young man, with your wording. <laughs> 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 uh, it's uh, it, well, it has it has been relatively stable, and and it could have been with the lack of. Um, financial certainty and timing certainty about the season, um, there could have been far worse implications. And uh, I think we, we've got we've got both teams ready to go. Um, we've still got a couple of weeks to play out before the start of the season, but but everything's looking as, as positive as it could. I think from um, from each of those teams. Yes, I'm not quite sure what you actually said then. <laughs> <laughs> Darn you. <laughs> Um, it's all going to be good, Penny. That's, uh, that's, that's that's what I've basically said. That's the one. Okay. And with that, and then we talked about having the overlap of the A-League and the domestic season. So my thoughts on that would be if we have women's NPL and then men's state league, men's NPL, and we have an A-League in that same space, how do you feed players through mm. in the same time, in the same calendar period or is that a good thing that we can then go, well, okay, if there's players who are outstanding in our local domestic leagues, we can shift them into those higher-end leagues more easily? Mm. What do you think, Michael? 
Uh, it's a difficult one because obviously you know you don't want them playing for your for your club and then sort of moving halfway through the season. Obviously, if merit dictates that that they're good enough and they'll take good opportunities, then everyone's got to be supportive of that. Um, yeah, there, there, that is the complication of the model. I think. Um, yeah, I think there'd have to be some pretty pretty firm rules around what can and can't happen if um, if you do that. And I guess that's the difficulty with having um, you know the one sort of one team that is not necessarily linked to any any clubs below it. So um, it's a little bit different to the you know to say the AFL system where they've got a couple of teams in WA and then a couple of reserves teams under them. Um, at the same time, they don't you know they run their season at the same time. Um, so. I think you've just got to um, just got to deal with it. And if, if you're good enough to play at the top top level for you know your glories and the like um, one season, then you, you play that season. If you're not good enough, then um, then you just wait for the following season and give it a crack. Then, what do you reckon, Miranda, as a young and up upcoming player? I mean, you'd be playing NTC this year. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, be playing Perth Glory. If all of the timing on that changed and everything was in one season, how do you think that would fit you? Well, I guess generally in women's football, you've got your W League Perth Glory team, which consists majoritively of players that play in our local league. You know, you've got your Sam Kerrs that will go internationally, but a lot of the players will play for Redbacks or Mum FC or Fremantle. So if you um, make them at the same time, then all these Glory players are going to be leaving their clubs and it's going to decrease the quality of the league quite a bit. For the women's competition, yeah. definitely. Yep. Not not the same extent to the guys' competition because of the extent of the programs mm-hmm. and numbers. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. Okay. So the W League can still stay in summer. That's good. We've decided that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe even give it expanded out. We're we'll making the important league. decisions right now. Absolutely. Yeah. We'll just um, text the FFA and let them know about that. <laughs> um, just uh, in regard to the women's NPL, um, they part of the ruling on that was that all of the players from a particular team couldn't go to one place, so all the glory couldn't go to one domestic club, so to speak. So it's meant that the women's NPL clubs have got a great share of players mm. across the teams. And, and we can brag about this, Michael, at Mum um, FC. I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm slipping a few wheeze in there because Mum FC is my club. I'll declare my bias. No problemo. See, yep. I, I should take a photo, actually. And, and okay, I'm wearing my Mum FC yeah. regalia in the studio. Okay. <laughs> So when we talk about loyalty, yep, there it is, baby. Okay, anyway, getting back to WNPL. So we, Mariana Tabane is going to be playing for Mum FC. Mm-hmm. Um, Kat Yukic, um, Poppy, young up-and-coming player mm-hmm. uh, from Queen's Park. Katie Schubert um, and a whole host of other great players. So Mum FC, who did pretty darn well in the night series, <laughs> um, are looking good for the season as far as I'm concerned. And I'm quite happy for other clubs out there who want to dispute that, get in contact with me through the World Football Program page and say, we want to come on your show and dispute that, and this is the reason why, okay? I'm very happy with that. Yep. <laughs> what do you reckon, Michael? Oh, it sounds good. We're, um, we're looking strong. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to the season starting, that's for sure. Yes. I think everybody's looking forward to the season starting because it kind of gives a bit of certainty that we are actually going into this season after having such a damn long break. Mm. Mm. Michael, it's been fantastic having a chat to you. Really appreciate that. And I do really mean what I say that if you want to go for council or political path, <laughs> I'll vote for you, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I've, uh, I've grazed sufficiently over the last couple of months, so I'll, um, I'll defer any decision on that for a few more years at least. Yeah, and I, I will say that Mum FC have quite a large committee 
of volunteers and they do a great job. Uh, nice bunch of people, work really well together and it is a large club. You said about 1,200 or so players and it is, it's down on, on the usual numbers but it's still a massive amount of players to manage, Michael. So you're doing a great job leading the ship. Well done. Oh, thank you. And, uh, yeah, we've got our executive committee that um, that uh, put in a massive amount of hours behind the scenes and, yeah. and sort of, the, I guess, the proportion of, of committee to member is still is still very low. So, um, there's yeah, there's an extraordinary effort put in by a lot of, well, a few people at the club or, you know, select people at the club um, service the entire membership. So, um, it's, you know, they, they're the ones that need to take the credit. So, well done to them. Yeah, I think the treasurer and financial group have probably got a few more grey hairs than you or might be 50-50 through this mm. period. Mm. Yep. <laughs> They've done well. Thank you and have a fantastic weekend. No worries. Thanks all for having me on and, uh, yeah, we'll speak again soon. Good Thank on you, you, Michael. See ya. Thanks, guys. Bye. That was Michael Ianello, president, young president of the Mum FC Club and I will mention that the under-23s Women are playing in a scratch match tomorrow at Winthrop Park, I think it is. I'm not sure about that. Um, it's, I'm pretty sure it'll be on the Mum FC uh, Facebook page, yep. which has got a quite a good stream of information on it. And they're playing against the under 16 Division 2, which will be interesting because there's some pretty good young players <laughs> in that group. I'm not coaching that, so no. I'm just saying. But um, great coach, Alex Seed, he's been with that group for a couple of years now and yeah, we've got some kids who've played up from quite a young age through the club, which is great, and hopefully the pathway that we have now from juniors under 23s and then women's NPL will remain there and um, they'll be able to follow that into Perth Glory. Yeah. And then Matildas. <laughs> Perfect scenario. Uh, speaking of Matildas, yes. a little segue there, uh, Italy has uh, curtailed its women's league uh, and Lisa Devana, that's the end of her season – but she may still be playing Champions League in the Women's Europeans Champions League, which apparently is still going, going ahead. ahead. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. So it says mm. uh, France, Spain and England have also curtailed that, as Miranda was discussing with me just before off air. Yes. And they were calculating the uh, final positions on average points per game. Yep. Mm. So. Yeah, so, yeah, we did talk about the fact that France, the men's league, yep. uh, cancelled their league. Mm-hmm. Yep. I I think they're the only men's league that are not going to proceed. I think Spain have kicked in off. They've had one round of fixtures. Um, Germany have been going for a few weeks now. Yep. Um, England are starting back up. Yeah, I can't think of any other league that has cancelled. And it's really interesting because, I mean, France export a lot of players when you think of it. Yeah. There's a lot of high-profile yep. players that start there, go out or go in and come out. It's like a... I don't know, like a business of football, really. They, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I, I don't know. Maybe it's something to do with broadcasting or concerned with the COVID-19. It, I, I don't know. It may also be they just figured it's easier to start the next season on time rather than trying to finish a season, you know, finish the current season late later and then have a break and then start the new season. Maybe it was just a case of... Let, let's get season 2021 You mean money didn't have schedule. a factor like Well, no, money may have leagues. a factor as well, but it was a different factor in that they wanted to start the next league next season on time. Yep, mm. yep. And who knows what resources or you know, financial considerations they have compared to another country or another continent. 
Yeah. yeah. And and relegation apparently was suspended for the two teams that finished bottom of the table too, so there's a nice little out for yeah. them. Yes. And I'm sure the team that finished top of the table in the league below aren't too happy about that, but yeah. Mm. Yeah, so Lisa Devana is in Italy and Yeah, so so basically the season's over, the domestic season's mm. over, but there may be still be Champions League for so her. So is she stuck there now? Yes. Can't get back home. Correct. Mm. Yeah, I had a chat to her a couple of weeks ago and yeah, she was just staying there. Mm. Can't get back. Yeah. Can't go anywhere. Just, uh, but Italy's not a bad place to be stuck. Well, suspect. you know, yeah. I mean, the doors aren't closed. I mean, your your house door can't isn't still closed. You can actually get yeah, out. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so, true. yep. Um, and she's a professional footballer, so I kind of hope that means that she's okay financially. Like the contract is still valid, and that she's you know just holidaying through the period, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to go to break and come back and have a chat with Hannah. George, who is the president of Vic Park Soccer Club. This is Penny, Pete and Miranda on the World Football Program. Back shortly. You're listening to Radio Fremantle 107.9. Hi, I'm Louis Prospero, Chair of the Football Hall of Fame Western Australia. We are the first Sporting Hall of Fame formed in Australia in 1996. The Hall of Fame recognises outstanding individuals in football in Western Australia. Join legends such as Sandra Brecknell, Julius Reed and Gareth Navin at our next Hall of Fame event to celebrate 25 years coming up in 2021. Find us on Facebook and on the web as the Football Hall of Fame Western Australia keep up to date with events and regular stories from our team of journalists and committee members. The Football Hall of Fame, Western Australia, recognising the Western Australia football community. Under starry skies above, don't fence me in. Auswest Fencing and Royal Tryon. Are you looking to build or replace your gates or fencing? The Auswest team can offer four generations of advice, materials, and kit assemblies for your unique fence and gate project. We specialize in color bond, aluminium, steel, and timber gates. Check out our galleries at auswestfencing.com.au. That's A-U-S-W-E-S-T-Fencing.com.au different to us all right now. We may be learning to play football with our mates online, keeping in touch by FaceTime and watching classic matches on Share TV. One thing that won't change is being able to listen to the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle. Your World Football team are here every Saturday from 10am to 12 noon. We appreciate your support and stay safe Australia. We're all in this together. Welcome back to the World Football Program, Penn, Pete and Miranda in the studio and we are welcoming Hannah George who's the president of Vic Park Soccer Club. Good morning, Hannah. 
morning, everyone. Thanks for um, getting me onto the show. No problemo at all. I noticed there's an SC at the end of Vic Park. You haven't changed that to FC yet. Is that on the cards? <laughs> <laughs> no, we've, we've gone with the um, Australian terminology for now. We'll stick with soccer club. Ooh, that's it's an ongoing argument in my house, but we'll, um, we'll leave it with that. <laughs> okay, yeah, some of the clubs have left the SC and not done the FC bit because there are actual Aussie rules clubs in their area and when you do a little bit of branding and signage, it's a bit confusing for some people and families. Yeah, yeah we have a, still have a bit of confusion with um, a Victorian-based club as well. So <laughs> oh, yeah. As much as, we, as much as we searched around for our association names and thought we checked everywhere, we, um, we missed that one. So Yes. Yeah. Good, so, good. so did um, the registration national registration database, I feel. like I think that when you put your name in, no one else in Australia should have anything near that name and it's the government's job to let you know that. Mm. So I, I'm with you on that. <laughs> um, where does yeah, the – it, it Granted, it is better under the play football rather than my football, but that's a whole other discussion, but um, yes. that has helped. Yes. Yep. So uh, where does the victory part come into it? Because Andy used to introduce himself as from Vic Park Victory. <laughs> Victoria Park. So, yeah, Victoria Park is, is where we live. It is our, a home in our community. We um, are, as you mentioned earlier, a, a small club. Um, started in 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, a number of us came out of um, the old Carlisle um, Club, which uh, which closed, closed down a, a few years ago. Um, and um, we looked around and didn't really find anywhere that kind of um, fitted with what we wanted in a in a club and, and who we wanted to be. So um, kind of put our thinking caps on and um, decided that you know this is this is our home. That was the right the right name so people knew where we lived. Um, and yeah, small small club um, really formed uh, out of a, a passion for football, friends, community, um, and that's what we're we're really really all about and I think that this this COVID time that we're still we're still going through and driving our way out of has probably focused everybody back on that yes. that love mm. of the game and the social side and just getting there with your mates and having a kick and enjoying a chat and gosh, it feels it feels good. It feels really good mm-hmm. to be back on the, mm. the pitch. I think that's <laughs> the feeling. I, I, I wrote this I wrote this in an email to my um my club just the other day but we were literally giddy at our first <laughs> contact contact training session. It's a bit, you know, a bit childlike, a bit embarrassing, but it just felt so darn good. Mm. Reminded everybody of what we've missed. So hope yep. we can all build on that across this, um, you know, slightly shorter, maybe more intense season in some ways. But yeah, let's just have a really good time. I think that's what we're we're about. Get everyone involved that can get involved. And enjoy it. Yep. Mm, yep. And when you say small, you said that a couple of times in the conversation. But maybe boutique is a, a better <laughs> kind of. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm happy with either. You know, we're not we're not um, arrogant at all. Um, yeah, we've got five metro teams this year: uh, two men's, three women's, juniors. This is our second second year, which I'm sure Andy has mentioned a few times. Um, and uh, this year being a uh, first first run with um, the inaugural United Reds um, All Abilities League, which is which is really really exciting. Um, so we're, we're hoping good things um, come from that. Um, challenging trying to start anything new in this in this environment, yes. but hopefully with this kind of you know groundswell of you know local community feeling and everyone wanting to get back into sport, hopefully we can 
jump on jump on that and um, yeah, make the season something pretty amazing. We talked with Michael Ianello, who's president of one of the larger clubs in Perth, Mum FC, and some of the challenges and maybe some of the opportunities. What do you feel has been really tough coming through the period and maybe some of the opportunities that have opened up that maybe weren't there before? Golly, what's been tough? I think what's been tough has been the same for the same for everyone. Yeah. Um, we've been really conscious of um, our, our people, our players, our community, um, our, our amazing sponsors. Um, I would like to give a shout out to um, the you Carlisle sponsors. Wow. and residential settlements. Hey, hey I'll stop. I'll stop there. Um, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's actually we, we have that. That we is have, good. Had, had, we have sponsors. Yep. Um, they, there'll be a lot of clubs support, that will. They have supported us over. Uh, I have to say, they've supported us over a, a good number of years. I can't can't tell you that we have um, from all of them necessarily, you know, guaranteed income in this year. But they have supported us, and in turn, we are supporting them. Yep. That's one decision that we have made as a as a club, um, paying it forward. Yeah. You know, in a couple of years' time or eighteen months, goodness knows. You know, we might make a, a different decision and and look a bit elsewhere, but. They've looked after us, so can um, we'll I, can do just what little we can to support them. Can I just concentrate on that for a moment? That's really important, though, because a lot of bigger clubs need sponsors to pay for certain parts of the club. It might be Men's State League, Women's NPL, whatever, because there's contractual arrangements and money involved, whereas at the lower end, mm. you find maybe less sponsors in a club unless you've got mass amounts to brand a product to. So... Mm. Um, Sponsorship has just been one of those tough things. It's you know people are withdrawing money because their businesses are suffering. But you've said you've got sponsors mm-hmm. and you're looking at it in a different way. You're paying it forward and you're giving things back that maybe isn't in exchange of money. Is what I'm hearing there. So um, that, that's great because yeah, I mean there's there's no point um, beating down the doors of um, businesses that have been closed. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but that is that is the last thing on their mind. Um, is, um, is paying up for that. So, um, yeah, we're, we're fortunate very much in that sense that we we are small. We've got a um, you know a, a, a good financial um, position. We've been very um, fortunate for the leadership we've had in our in our few years to really make sure that 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 that's there. Um, again, another shout out, um, Tarnavik Park been pretty amazing um i don't know how different the experience is with the likes of a you know a, a murdoch a uwa a different a different space that was mentioned that there were some differences earlier i don't know what those differences are but um town of park have really done what they can to to help us as well so um that has meant um that we have actually been able to reduce our fees and i know a n- number of clubs have done exactly that and that's something we've mm. done um really understanding that our our community is is having a hard time. A lot of people have lost their jobs. A lot of people have reduced work. Um, you know, we have we have lost some some players purely because of that. Maybe they've had mm. to go home, go live with their parents, move back because they just can't afford to live up here in Perth. They've had a couple of couple of those, but um, thankfully, pretty much everyone's everyone's coming back, um, and we're doing what we can to to help players make that happen. Um, and we've managed to keep keep moving. We had quite a good momentum pre-season, and that was just cut. Felt so brutal at the time, um, but we seem to be getting that that momentum back, which is is very exciting. But yeah, doing what we can to to help our 
help our community employers has been important. We were we were ever so conscious of the the real um, you know mental health impacts of um, social interaction and community sport ceasing. Mm-hmm. Good point. You know, a lot of people live at home, you know. So getting back just yeah. Yeah. Feels darn good. The Feels connection. Good. Yeah, it's that connection and engagement that stimulates different things uh, within us to motivate to get through life. And, mm. you know, group mm. sport is definitely one of those. How are your training sessions looking? I'm assuming that people are already back in training, ready for the season. Um, how is it different to pre COVID period? What is, what is a typical training session at Vic Park Soccer Club look like? Well, phase, phase three is much much easier from from phase two. You bet. Yeah, so that 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 was a that was a big big shift um, because we don't we don't have huge huge groups. So, um, uh, is there a lot of elbow bumping stag- that goes stag- on rather than high fives. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah, there's there's a bit of that, mm-hmm. um, and you know, to an extent, people make their own decisions. We are we are doing contact training, um, so you're not keeping distances. Um, we have to keep reminding everyone that's going to be the hard thing, I think, over what could be the whole season, really, realistically, is constantly reminding everyone, um, hygiene, distancing, um, making sure they stay home when they're sick, you know, that things are, things are fluid. It's a contradiction though, Hannah, when we're out there on a soccer field (laughs) and you can do whatever you want to play the game, Mm. but off the field, Mm. social distance, hand sanitise, if you cough, move over there, you know, just Mm. To me, it's a t- complete yeah, contradiction. That's, it's been really, throughout this whole thing, that's been really hard to, to get my head around. I've, I've found a way to, I suppose, rationalise it for myself. So particularly when we're back at the 10-person training, such frustration that um, public um, public groups, people could just walk on down with their mates, do a fitness session, but you could not do it as a club. Mm-hmm. So that was effectively outlawed, and, and that was very frustrating. But looking back on it, now and, and even the way that a lot of these um, measures are being approached, it seems to be more about um, just just minimising the contact, reducing the numbers of those um, contacts. So, thankfully, we're now able to do contact sport. Um, it does seem to you know not make a lot of sense, but it's about those numbers of contacts. So, mm. you know, I think about it, and my, the people that I'm in close contact with, and this is something we all need to remember now, uh, the people I'm in close contact with are my team. Um, and my family. Mm. So the choices I make um, potentially impact impact those people. Um, but yeah, no, it's a it's a new world. Um, yep. So it's very it's very difficult, and um, just got to keep all got to keep talking. Yep. And people have been as mentioned earlier. Um, you know, across the board, people are being so understanding, so patient. Um, just you know, we we don't know we don't know we're doing our best, and you know, um, players, sponsors, everyone is quite understanding that we're just we're just doing our best. I think you're right there. That is a big thing that's come out of this is that everybody is operating under the same conditions without question. So right. we all can understand to some degree, we can be patient, we can be leaders and encourage other people to do the same. When the, with the mental health and the mental impacts come into it, we can be supportive and understanding and we can do it in a situation that we love and that's football. We can be back on the park again and having our chit-chat and um, just it, I coach a group of um, 12 to 14-year-old Hannah and when I said, 
we can play a scratch match. Oh, my God, the energy. <laughs> Grab the balls, run out, start tackling each other on the spot. I'm like, where do we play a game? Like, why? <laughs> so it was like all that excitement, they wanted to come down and play football because they have mateship and they want to get out and play football. Like the actual action of playing football was totally exciting for them. The training's great. And being around their mates is pretty cool, but playing a game was what they hang out for. Mm. So, mm. you know, all, all those things you can put into a training session and put into your club and put into football is why people come down. So when they're without it, it's really different. When when they have got it, we're operating under the same conditions. We all love it. And, uh, you know, you notice those things and we I want to provide more of those opportunities for the kids and adults and everyone because I see that for me as a coach, it's like, wow, that's exciting for me to see that people love it that much. I want to help with that. Mm. That's what excites me as a mm. coach. I just had to say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm. No, absolutely. It's the, it's the game for all. So um, It is. World's game, the world's game indeed. Yep. Whatever we can do to get people, you know, in, into the, the sport in any capacity. It's good for everyone. I have a question about match days. How has your club talked about or is going to talk about what happens on match day with gestures of sportsmanship and um, appreciating the opposition and things like that? So you might do a high five at the end of a game. You might um, shake each other's hands. If someone falls down on the pitch, you'd reach down and you'd pull them up. Um, Have you talked about those kind of gestures? To be honest, we really haven't. We really haven't um, set those kind of rules. Um, been waiting a little bit on on some direction. Would be be nice to be honest from um, from, from Football West. Any um, um, you know any expectations or any guidance? Um, just so other other teams will walk onto our onto our pitch and have some shared understanding. Because um, I guess that that's probably what is missing now. When we're training, um, I can communicate with those people. You know. We can we can level those expectations. Um, the, the big thing about match day is um, is that unknown quantity, I suppose, other people coming in, um, and we don't we don't have huge crowds. We have you know, a good number of spectators. They tend to spread themselves out, have a picnic, bring the bring the kids. Um, it's all pretty um, all pretty relaxed. We don't they're not typically in great bunches, so we don't have um, how we normally operate. Doesn't really cause any distancing. Um, issues, but um, yeah, we're going to need to find a way to communicate really clearly. Lots of signage, and I don't know um, the idea of inducting people that are you know five minutes late, running up to the <laughs> running up to the mat to try and tell them that um, now you this is your you know your designated um, bathroom or go in this direction or um, I I don't yet have the the idea of how how we do that whether we send them a fly before they get here or something. But um, yeah, yeah, that's definitely a. Are definitely a, a, a challenge, but as I say, I think as we're not dealing with hundreds of people across, um, you know, ten pitches, um, like the big clubs, yep. um, it's it's much easier to communicate. You know, you can just yes. have a have a couple of volunteers, um, you know, one standing in your canteen. You can say, "Excuse me, come down and um, give us your details, please." I see that you're not just walking your dog. Can you, um, you know, let us know your that you're here? By the way, do you want to join our mailing list? Um, <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, to tell them that you know the bathrooms are this way. So it's we're we're in a very fortunate position. We can be a bit more um, agile in how we approach some of these these things. But um, yeah, I do not do not have all the answers. 
Yep. Happy to hear any any um any great suggestions, guys. Well, I think on the floor. <laughs> I, I think you actually bring up a pretty valid point when we're talking to Mum FC president with twelve hundred members and um three pitches, so there'd probably be Len Shearer and Winthrop. The main pitches would be pretty much packed through a weekend. Um, when mini football or roo football starts up, they they might have several thousand people at one venue, mm. and um, you know how the club is managing through that is a lot different to how you'll manage on your match days. Um, so the rules of having one parent uh, per player being at the game. Um, would kick in for us, for example, mm-hmm. for Mum FC, whereas for your club they possibly wouldn't. And you're right about some direction. I think that during the week Football West will probably come out with something that will be a sportsmanlike gestures and maybe proximity rules where they'll share the information to all of the clubs for um, good social responsibilities so that you, Hannah and, and me, we won't have to go, I wonder if that's correct or we're allowed mm. to do that. Mm. Um, yeah, I think well, yeah, it's it's, re- it's really hard to try and get a handle on. Sorry to, <laughs> sorry to interrupt. No, that's this. good. What 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 those what those minimum requirements are, and everyone's expectations, everyone's anxiety level even mm. is different. Yeah, I we think must remember that there are some people um, in our membership base in our community that are that are vulnerable, lower immunity. Whilst mm. a lot of people are feeling yep. like mm-hmm. this is all behind us, great yeah. time, yes. party yeah. time. It looks a lot like that, but we're not. We're not quite there yet, and mm. um, we need to be a little bit respectful of, of that. Even just literally um, yesterday, I'm running some queries, trying to figure out what is the what is the right thing to do if you've got a sniffle, if you've got a cold. Mm. Um, back in phase two, it was pretty much that's kind of 14 days, regardless of what the causes. Stay away. Um, now it's actually quite hard to get a handle on what the um, the the recommendations from you know health authority it really actually is that would so, decimate some um, junior they, teams if that happened if you had to mm, quarantine for fourteen days yeah. oh my god <laughs> and and that as my best understand that's not actually the the position yep. um you know at, at that at that government level um but there may be some clubs that actually take a view that that's the more responsible thing to do because um if everyone is is out with the with the flu then um, you know that has a different impact as well but it's not it's actually quite difficult to get um, clarity um, on what what the expectations are. So, yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I think out of necessity there's going to be quite a bit of information coming out of the, the mothership um, <laughs> over the next, <laughs> the next few days. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. well, yeah. I think with yeah. the um, the shaking hands thing about it, if you're going to spend 90 minutes with shoulder-to-shoulder shoulder with your players, yeah. is that different to shaking hands before and after the game? If you're already in close oh. proximity mm-hmm. with these players, does it make a difference if you shake the hands? But I think the idea around the spectators and the one parent per player rule is the thing that's going to be harder to control and yeah. more important to control. Yep. Oh, I think the personal hygiene thing is is probably the biggest thing that we all need to be aware of. If mm-hmm. we want to go out and participate in social activities, we're going to pubs and clubs now, we're sitting down at restaurants, we're going to each other's houses, we're, we're in that proximity. Um, you know, we're mindful because the messages have been consistent about our health and handling and sanitising and washing hands. We're, we're, I think everybody's got the message, even kids have got the message, even mm-hmm. though they ignore it because they're kids. <laughs> and, you know, it's our job as adults to remind each other about those things. And if we're careful then we'll we'll get through and move on and 
you're right, Hannah, the restrictions are a lot less now. So, you know, I'm having a team meeting with my group of girls today and we'll be discussing those kind of things like what are the best ways to move forward so we all have the same messages on mm. the park and you mm-hmm. can give them to our parents. But I'd like to see something from Football West before the first game that just confirms all of those things are acceptable, mm-hmm. recommended, suggested or off the table. Yeah. Have they released anything about spectators yet? Does anyone know? I don't think so. I don't think so. And they have been releasing things, but I can't see anything about that. Mm-hmm. Mm. But if someone has seen something, certainly lob it onto the World Football Program page. Uh, Hannah, it's been fantastic having a chat to you. Appreciate your time today. Wonderful, clear voice you have. Mm-hmm. So you're welcome back to come and have a chat to us for mm-hmm. sure. Thanks all. And, uh, yeah, all the best for um, kicking off with your respective seasons. Good on you. Thank you for joining us. Cheers, guys. See ya. Thanks, Hannah. That was Hannah George, who is the president of Vic Park Soccer Club. Very well-spoken young lady. (laughs) Um, It was a bit of a difference there from a smaller boutique club to the larger club, but same things we have to go through, just maybe handling them in slightly different ways. It's interesting that um, with five teams, they play on one park and you would think that all the things would be quite easily managed. If you think of 1,200 players um, across two parks, um, how you've got to manage that as a club mm. is yeah. uh, yeah. far more intense and hence the grey hairs that Michael's having. <laughs> um, just a, a couple of articles out of um, some media sites. The Australian Sports Foundation estimates 24,000 sports clubs may not survive the pandemic. Yeah. This is pretty generic, you know. I, I think that although clubs have lost – sponsorship and membership fees that I think you'll find that there'll be volunteers will step up because if you love the sport and you didn't get paid for the role, then you just want to see it happen. I mean, it's also possible you sort of have this, you know, technically a club folds uh, as with uh, Vic Park and then the next season a new club springs up with a new name uh, at the same venue with Mm -hmm. basically the same group of people. Um, So... You know, if you've got a bunch of people in an area that, that, you know, want to play soccer and the club folds because it's a, as you say, a boutique club and they don't have that many finances, those players may go off and find other clubs or you may find, like you say, someone steps up and says, right, we're no longer Carlisle, we're now Vic Park Victory. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I can't get behind the name Victory for a team. That's that's just Park. disgraceful. It's, <laughs> you know, as a West Australian, you know, Victory, no. No, no. no, no. agreed. No. Agreed. Sorry, Hannah. It did. It, it kind of got dropped a little bit along the way. I think there. I noticed in Andy's conversations, it started off with Vic Park Victory, and then the last couple of times we spoke to him, it was just Vic Park. Yeah, but so, they still yeah, got the Victory on their logo. So yep. yeah, yeah, they got nice colours and nice design. And, was it, was like a it. blue and a blue and a light? I was, I was looking. At, yeah, so it's, it's it even looks Melbourne Victory-ish Ooh. to me. To be honest. <laughs> Ooh, watch out! Um, what do we think about? Um, Referees taking a, a hit to the hip pocket to officiating games. What do you guys think Look, about that? Referees need to get paid. Those guide dogs need food. Oh, holy cow! <laughs> Those white wow. canes aren't going to pay for themselves. <laughs> um, right. You know, in the end, it, it's nice. It, it's it's not really for me to say whether people should take a pay cut or not. Um, mm. Ultimately, and and you can't even just say, well, it has to happen because you know referees need to get paid as well. Yes, a lot of young people referee 
as an income supplement or yep. studying supplement mm-hmm. um, part-time in the age of, you know, 15 to 21. It's kind of that age where they're, you know, might still be living at home and they're starting to study at the high end of high school and then into university where they're just getting a bit of extra work there. It's a tough gig. Mm. Um, yep. I'm, I personally am happy to pay the full referee fees. Yep. Um, I don't think they get paid a whole lot anyway. No. So, and they, they do have a tough gig. Oh my God, they have a tough gig. Mm-hmm. So all kudos to them for stepping up. And, you know, everybody gives them a bit of black at some time, but we need them Not to me. do the what job. What would you look at me for then? Oh God. Oh my God. Um, I think we'll go to a break and we'll come back and talk more football. Um, anytime you want to jump in with anything, anyone, just uh, lob it on the World Football Program Facebook page. Or um, Yes, we do have a beautiful photo of the Gothic Cup now too on the Facebook page. So do we? Yeah. Who put that up? Um, well, Peter Wright put the link to the Google search and I've picked one out as, <laughs> as the official Gothic Cup. Good on you. Well done, Pete and Pete. Thanks for listening in, everyone. We'll be back soon talking more football. This is Pete, Penn and Miranda. Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM. Everybody has goals. Whether it's learning a new skill or passing on knowledge, making new friends, is it finding a career path? or reaching your full potential. Chase your goals. See where football can take you. A billion people tuning into the match between... Hey. You ready?
pasando ahí. Welcome back. This is Penny, Pete and Miranda in the studio on the World Football Program. We have a young Hannah Lowry on the line. Good morning, Hannah. Morning. Thank you for joining us. Were you listening to that promo? That was an old Matilda's promo. Yeah. Do you recognise yeah. any of the voices in it? I think I heard Sam Kerr. You, you definitely. That's a, probably okay. a good punt in any advert that's going to have <laughs> yeah. Sam Kerr. <laughs> yeah, there were some very young people in that. That's 2013, so that's like seven years ago. I think mm-hmm. Caitlin Ford was in that. I think Steph Catley was in that. Sam Kerr was in I can't remember the other voices. But we were just saying that there's not enough adverts for women's football anywhere, really. I mean, it'd be nice if they were on television. They have AFL mm. adverts on television. They have the women's AFL adverts on television, but they don't have our code of women's football on there. So maybe, uh, Hannah, you and Miranda can get together outside of this interview and you can make some kind of promo with your team and send it in and we'll put it on air. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on the program today. Give us a, a little bit of a... Uh, a rundown, like some bragging points about you so that our listeners know who you are. Um, so I play for Perth Glory. Um, I was in the Junior Matildas last year in Thailand in the AFC qualification. I'm 17 um, and I play for NTC at the moment in the NPL. Yep. And what's your favourite position? Midfield. Is it the one you always get put in? Ah, uh, yeah, most of the time. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, that shows you dominate it. Well done. It's good. It's how it should be. You, you like the position and you get put in the same position. It doesn't always work that way with coaches. Sometimes they see other things yeah. in the players. Mm. <laughs> so who's your coach at the moment? Ben Anderson. Ben Anderson, he's the former Queen's Park coach. And, um, yeah. Yep, so are you training with many of the Perth Glory players from the season just gone in the NTC? 
Um, so there's a few of just the younger ones that were with the Glory Squad last season. Um, Letitia, Bella Warhead, and a few others, yeah. Yep. Mm. And some of those travelled with the Junior Matildas away yep. with you. Yeah. I think we get to kind of cheat the rules of um, – because you're only allowed four Glory players in your team. Yes. I think we've got about seven. They weren't all fully contracted, but they were in and around the squad, so hacking the system a bit. (laughs) Well, it it is, but that's okay, right, because you're a young group of players, so Mm. you're developing. You've still not got that experience. Mm -hmm. You've got a lot of raw talent, but that's, I think, where – we kind of lack is the experience, obviously. Yeah, and working together helps your bonding so that over time you can become better footballers and work better together and hopefully it means that you'll get the opportunity to all play for Perth Glory again and Mm -hmm. maybe in Junior Matildas. Wouldn't that be a nice scenario, Hannah, that all of the girls that you've got in the NTC at the moment would go through and play Perth Glory and then you'd all be good enough to be selected in the Junior Matildas and have a great representation of Western Australians in the Junior Matildas. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Mm. I think like our NTC team's definitely got lots of talent and we're all like really close, so yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> Wonderful. What about your training at the moment? What are some of the things that you're doing with your training? Is it back to normal with the program? Yeah, so we had our first contact session on Tuesday, which was good after a few weeks of not being able to tackle. Yep. So um, just building up, getting our fitness back and working on stuff we want to bring into the games in a few weeks' time. Yep. What's some of the features that Ben puts into his training sessions or the style that he likes to play? Um, I think Ben likes to play quite attacking, um, also just keeping the ball. Um, it's definitely like very professional environment that he likes to have. Mm. And, yeah, just keeping the ball when we can and scoring lots of goals. <laughs> yep, scoring lots of goals is good mm. for the players and also the spectators. Mm-hmm. It's also good when you want to get a broadcast deal. <laughs> 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 Excellent. So your first game would be in about three weeks' time, mm-hmm. be about right? Yep. Uh, we've got a um, night game up first, so the fixtures actually say we're Curtin Uni Friday, 8.30pm. So, Hannah, how do you feel about um, games on a school night? That <laughs> <laughs> sounds good. I don't mind night games. Yeah, playing under the lights. 8.30 is a bit late. Yeah. Does it count as a school night if it's a Friday night? I thought a school night was you meant you had oh, school the next true, day. Or so. well, sometimes <laughs> kids are in art programs and they do work on Saturdays as well. Could be, yeah. Are there any art students in the NTC, guys? So. Mm. <laughs> this conversation's gone very yeah, random. Yeah, <laughs> no, it has. I don't think it's classed as a school night. Nah, there's no chance. So, Stan, I, I suspect that there was no football. You wouldn't be going to bed at school night bedtime on a Friday night, right? <laughs> it just wouldn't happen. So, it's not a school night, Pete. Just saying. All right. All right, okay, good. yeah. So, how how do you feel about starting the season with um, a July to October kind of timing and? I don't know that much else has changed really. It's only the timing because we're mm. getting back into training as per normal, coaches getting you doing what he needs to get you to do, the, the players. I assume all the same playing group has come back yeah. into the program. Yeah. So Yeah, I think it's been good. Like I guess we weren't too sure even if there would be a season. So mm-hmm. considering it's 
better than a lot of countries. I'm very happy that we get to play still yes. quite a few games. Mm. Yep. I didn't think we'd play this many, to be honest. I heard yeah. once it, we were before. I heard we were only going to play each team once, and I was like, "Oh, you know." Yeah. <laughs> but at least we've only been cut down uh, one round, so we're playing everyone twice. So that's good. So, how many nighttime fixes are there in the season? Do you? I, I haven't checked, but I think Curtin Uni will have a lot. They're looking to. They've got great lights. Yeah, the night and series been, is played. Um, open about you know having double headers with the men's MPL. So, um, yeah. Yes, and the double headers with the NPL. I think is really important mm. for getting a bit of branding and awareness out there. Mm. Um, I did see something about, I don't know if it was WA or one of the other states, The they were going to put all of the games, the women's NPL games on um, YouTube or something like that or the, it might have been South Australia or New South Wales, mm. I can't remember. The, they got a great package deal happening where they're not charging any registration fees for the teams and they are putting all of the women's NPL games on the same platform as the guys mm. so that they're publicly able to be viewed, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Looks like New South Wales, from what I can see, seems to have a lot of YouTube yeah, women's great. NPL. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy with that. Um, and Victoria was pretty good with their platform as well. That's where Lisa Devani used to play, South Melbourne, mm. and yeah. they had all of their games, I think, on, on the, either the um, Victorian TV platform or YouTube, I can't remember. I suppose once they get onto internet somewhere they're going to appear on YouTube because yeah. that's just the way that it happens. Yeah. So, Hannah, how do you see the season going with the squad that you've got against the other teams that are in the league? Yeah, I think we've got a really good squad. Um, obviously, pre-season the girls got through to the grand final of the night series and from there we just kept training hard and I think... Obviously, in a few weeks' time, I think we'll be very good. And, yeah, I'm excited to play. What's some of the standout features of your squad compared to some of the other teams in the league? I think just because we're young, like lots of fresh legs. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I think we get underestimated a bit because of our age. But in some ways that can be beneficial because teams aren't, like, kind of prepared to verse us. In that sort of way, yeah. Mm. So you're saying that uh, fitness and athleticism over some older, wiser legs? Is that what you're trying to say? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think there's a definite difference in youthful football and um, mature physical players. I mean, if I think of the way Queen's Park played, for example, and the way that NTC would play football, two very different styles, two very good styles to watch playing against each other, and that will be kind of like... Mum FC this year, I think, because they'll bring that similar style because yeah. they're pretty much Queen's Park yeah. with a, a few add-ons. I think um, Ben's kind of bringing a bit of Queen's Park into... I bet um, he would. Yeah. So I think um, in previous seasons we've been very eager to attack, which is good, but he's kind of saying, you know, slow down, get some passages of play, build the ball up and then score goals that way, which is really good to see. Yeah. Makes for good football. Yeah, it does. Absolutely. Have you got any scratch matches planned? We do. We've got a game this Wednesday against Forestfield Boys, which unfortunately I've just missed. I'm back to full contact the Friday next week. Ah, of course. Mm. Mm. Yes. Miranda's been coming down to Mum FC and doing a little bit of goalkeeper training with the young girls, Hannah. <laughs> and the girls are actually absorbing it. 
and um, yeah. I'm the coach of the 14s group and they're actually giving each other tips and it's straight out of the mouth of Miranda, which is fantastic. At least they're listening. That's good to know. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, if you ever want to come down and do a little bit of role modelling, feel free to come along with uh, Miranda and just um, strut around in your tracksuit and, yeah, just kind of be a, a role model and an inspiration. I'm big on those kind of things. Mm. So, yep. Um, what do you think about sportsmanship gestures going into games? Have you had a chat to Ben and the group about any of those kind of things and do you have any personal thoughts on sportsmanship and high five and or elbow bumps or do you think, ah, blah, it's just back to normal again? Don't need to worry about that. Oh, I think, I mean, I feel like if we're going to contact for 90 minutes, I think at the end of the game, if you just give someone a handshake, you know, just to say good game, Mm. Not really going to make a huge difference. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Have the hand pump sanitizer sanitizer yeah. handy. Ben looks well <laughs> yeah. with the spray bottle. Yeah. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's all kind of things happening out there, isn't there? Some of our coaches have got sanitizer sprays to spray all mm. the balls, and some have just got pump packs. And yeah, it's a, a different world that's our normal now. What about for you, Hannah? What's on the horizon for your football, and what kind of ambitions have you got over the next, say, 12 months or a couple of years? Um, yeah, so obviously I'd love to hopefully play again with Glory and also keep working on making the young Matildas and hopefully in the future playing for the Matildas, that would be the big dream. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, that sounds like a, a very sturdy dream and we're happy to have you back on and when you come really famous and you can come and chat to us, we'll be happy with that too. Like we'll give you like a, a telecast over from the World Cup. Actually, that could be here in Australia. You could be playing for the Matildas in a couple of years and we could be talking with you. That would be that'd be pretty cool for us too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ex- Miranda will be the goalkeeper and you'll be the striker. <laughs> that would be very cool. Uh, so I hear that Liverpool is your team? Yeah. Okay. She said that with a lot of passion. Okay. Um, so how do you feel about what's happening over in England with Liverpool? Um, well, I'm happy that it's going back so soon, but obviously over there it's much worse than here. So mm-hmm. definitely completely understanding of the whole situation, but definitely excited to watch the games again, get back into it. Absolutely. Do you follow the women's and the men's? Yeah, I've been watching a lot more of the women since Optus have now put it on there mm. um, with Sam Kerr as well at Chelsea. Yes. Very good to watch. Sam Kerr's now back in Perth. How did she get back in yeah. Perth? I don't know, citizenship? But she's back in Perth. <laughs> does, that mean, does that mean she is uncontracted, free agent, until the W League starts? Because... I mean, I'd well, be well, very ha- happy to play against Sam Kerr in the women's well, prep. Well, no, no, no. She she signed up to Chelsea for was it a two or three year contract. It wasn't one year, and she's only in the first year. So she can't play for any other. Teams I don't here. think so. That was yeah. that's a good oh. thought. You got to be excited for one split second there. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a number? Give her a call. <laughs> Sign her up. Yeah, yeah. I suppose that's interesting, isn't it? Because we talked about Lisa Devana earlier, mm-hmm. and the Italian season is finished, but. She may or may not still be in Italy. Mm. Did you say she was or was not in Italy? I believe she's still in Italy because they've got the Champions League. The That's right, yeah. Up. So the, the season's been canned, the domestic 
women's season in Italy. Yep. And so mm-hmm. that she's finished from that perspective. Yep. Um, but there's still potential for more matches there with Fiorentina. Yeah. Well, with the um, Women's Super League, or the English League, the um, they finished the league and then decided on the points per game basis. So Sam Kerr and Chelsea were in second place on the ladder. But, but then matches played. Matches played. They'd played one less game and were only one point behind. Yep. So they um, won the league. There was no trophy lift, but mm. they were given the title and um, Chelsea and Man City will go on to the um, Champions League. They get the Champions League spots. And Liverpool was relegated. So, Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think possibly that you might have to move yourself along, uh, Hannah, and then go get scouted and go play for Liverpool because they need some help. (laughs) (laughs) Would you like to play for Liverpool one day? Is that one of your ambitions? Yeah, I think it'd be amazing playing over there. Mm. Obviously, it'd be very different, but it'd be a great opportunity, definitely. Yes. What do you think about the Women's World Cup bids, which is going to be finalised between Colombia, Japan and Australia New Zealand jointly um, by the end of this month, June 25 or so. What do you think Australia's chances are with that? I think we've got a pretty good chance. I think if Australia did win the bid, that would be amazing, like not only for women's football but just football in general in Australia, mm-hmm. just showing how far it's come along. Do you reckon that would as as an extra incentive for young players because, you know, on the verge of the squad, maybe. I, I reckon. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, definitely. I mean, wouldn't you? I mean, think of the financials and travel, especially now, mm. it, of your know, parents and families and wanting to release their kids to go maybe follow a pathway overseas versus, okay, well, actually, Australia's playing in a World Cup in a couple of years' time. So how about you concentrate and we put our money through programs or whatever you need to do here and mm. stay here? Mm. Yeah, that's incentive. Yeah. I think Australia's bid was ranked. They um, released the rankings earlier this week. So I think, I think I'm assuming it's out of five, Australia scored a 4.1. It, I, I mean, I was excited by that as well, but it's worth mentioning when they were doing the rankings for the mm-hmm. 2022 World Cup, Qatar ranked very poorly yeah. in yeah. FIFA's own rankings. I think, yeah, that's what it doesn't mean that we're going to yeah. get it. It just yeah. means there'll be more questions asked if we don't. D- yeah, there's a different FIFA committee? In, oh, in place now. Oh yeah, yeah. This this was the the Qatar bid was what twenty ten or twenty two thousand and nine or so mm. it came out. But um, yeah. yeah, it's just kind of worth mentioning that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We've we've got uh, a lot of ticks against us. The biggest one, of course, is COVID nineteen free. Yeah. Mm. Um, well, almost, almost free. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So people, I, I suspect, would want to come here if we let them. Like I'm sure all our borders will be opened up by then mm-hmm. um, in terms of economy and moving things along and uh, cash flow, whatever, we, that has to happen at some point. Um, do we have the infrastructure? Hannah, do you think that we've got good enough stadiums here to hold really big games? Like it obviously uh, exclude Perth because I just can't imagine there's going to be any games over here in Perth if we win the World Cup bid, but over on the East Coast and then New Zealand, do you think we've got some pretty cool stadiums where you'd like to go and watch a World Cup? Yeah, um, I'm not too sure about New Zealand, what they've got, but I'm sure they've probably got quite a few nice stadiums. But obviously in Sydney, they've opened that new stadium, which is massive and Mm. very nice. And I think, yeah, all over the country, there'll be good enough infrastructure to 
host the World Cup, definitely. I think yeah. one of the things is the shape of the stadium. Yes. Because you've got a lot of... How close Aussie, you can get. Yeah, and Aus- mm. a lot of Aussie mm. rules stadiums, which you're far away from the pitch. But over in New Zealand, their main code is rugby, which has a rectangular field, yep. and obviously most of their stadiums will be built for rugby. Great point. Yep. Which would be good for football. Yeah. I think the thing that might let us down in the bid is the logistics, the challenge of logistics. So mm. if you were a fan coming from, say, England and wanted to watch the Women's World Cup and you wanted to watch several games, you've got to travel quite a distance. Mm-hmm. And that's mm. financially, that's a bit of a hip pocket thing yeah. to consider. But if you were, say, going to Japan, which is a small island, mm-hmm. then the logistics and finances for you to travel – uh, are less, and I think Colombia. Well, I think infrastructure-wise, they need to do a bit of upgrade, and yeah. I, I think that might be a bit of a downside for them and their bid. Yeah. Generally, teams when they do um, travel for a World Cup, like I'm thinking back to when South Korea and Japan co-hosted it, mm-hmm. they um, they do tend to keep teams within one section or another. It's not like you had if you were following pick any random team that was playing at the. 2002 World Cup. It's not like they played one game in Japan, then went to South Korea, then went back yes. to Japan. So they yep. do tend to the groups stick. The, yeah, in areas. Obviously, at some mm. point you may need to switch if you keep progressing through the tournament. Yeah, but, but yeah, it's it's not like that much of a huge bouncing between the countries sort of deal. So if they had all one group in New Zealand, for example, they, the Women's World Cup, yeah, then you travel Zealand, across yeah. to Australia for the yeah, next the, yeah, group of next by the stage. time you get to the knockout stage, you might find mm-hmm. even even if they had say two or three group or. It's a 32-team tournament the next uh, 2003. Yeah, this is yeah. the best year they So they'll probably have half the half the groups in, in New Zealand, half the groups in Australia, and even then as you progress to the knockout stages, the New Zealand ones will still be yep. in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. So it, it'll be a while. You, know, you sort of get up to the maybe even the quarterfinals or the semis before you need to change countries. Mm. Yep. Wellington Phoenix are looking at putting a bid in for the W League. Yes. Mm. Well, that's very interesting because we know that the W League isn't flash with the cash mm. yep. and we know that we attract – a lot of players from international leagues. I'm not quite sure how that's going to work for the next W League mm. because of borders being closed and whatever else. Hannah, what's your thoughts on a new W League starting when it might start and what the playing base might look like? Yeah, um, I think obviously a lot unknown at the moment. We can't predict what it- the situation is going to be like towards the end of the year but I mean if Australia keep going with how they're going with the whole COVID situation hopefully the borders would be open even if it's just for you know essential workers and also like sporting teams Mm. just to restrict that contact with the public I'm not sure what's going to happen with crowds and stuff but and crowds is a big thing crowds and broadcasting rights are the two Mm. things we've been talking about that enable fans to be engaged. Yep. So, I mean, yep. YouTube and free-to-air platforms are really going to need to kick in somehow, and I don't know if that means the government is going to come up with some kind of deal. Uh, let's say, for example, Fox doesn't cover the A-League or they don't come to some kind of agreement between the FFA and uh, Fox, then they can't broadcast A-League. Does that mean that the hub system still goes ahead that they're proposing or it doesn't? Because what is the point if you don't have spectators yeah. and you can't see the games? Yeah. Um, and then the W League is different again because it was on free to air anyway. It was ABC, which is great for us. So that hopefully the broadcasting is not going to be affected. It's just going to be maybe the 
not the quality of the competition, but the composition of the competition might be different. Might mm. be more young players like um, yourself, Miranda, and Hannah would be playing because the older players have maybe moved. Uh, I should say older, but like the more mature, experienced players might be like Lisa Vanna in Italy, or they might be in England or playing their league in Germany and can't get back here. Yeah. Borders aren't yeah. open. Mm. Yeah. So Hannah, you might be like the number one striker for Perth Glory, <laughs> or you might be drafted to Melbourne Victory Ooh. as the number one striker. <laughs> Pete's not happy about that. Yeah, no. <laughs> Stay with the Glory. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, like you say, there's a lot of unknowns, isn't there? And as we work through the end of the A League season and they figure things out, I think that might help get a bit of stability and a bit of knowingness for how thing, other things will work and once we've got our domestic season sorted out, then we'll know resources and connectivity and travel arrangement and all these kind of things will start to fall in place and then, I don't like to say it like this, but the W League will be you know, at the end of that mm-hmm. and we'll, we'll be using the information that's used for those other platforms to have been figured out and then we can kind of you know, work how our W League's yeah. going to go. It needs to still happen. Mm-hmm. How it's going to happen, we don't know. Yeah. I guess if you're having a hub-based system, like the A-League is proposed, but you can't sign your international in. So you're then relying on your youth players mm. and you're taking 16, 17, 18-year-old kids away from school and you're moving them to a different place. I think they've had problems with players mm. and they're, if they've got young kids in men's league, I know in the AFL they've allowed young families to travel with the players yeah. to their yeah. hub systems. Um, so, yeah, that would just create another problem about it. That's a great point. If the players that were being recruited were that young still in school, mm-hmm. uh, Hannah, are you in school or are you in university? I'm year 12, yeah. Okay, rightio. So at the end of this year, if you play W League, you would have finished year 12 and you would be able to go to university or make your own decisions yeah. or – you know, there's a whole new world, but everyone else who's in the NTC maybe isn't in that same position. Mm-hmm. So they've got to ask their parents yeah. and parents got to help them out financially. And, yep, there's a lot of considerations. Mm. Mm. Yeah, definitely. When we speak to you again, there's probably going to be a lot more answers in the conversations <laughs> we have. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining us. We really do appreciate it. Um, I hope that you have a fantastic football season and uh, lots more opportunities come your way. And when we chat to you again, we can talk about all those wonderful opportunities. It's been fantastic having a chat to you. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you and enjoy your weekend. You too. See you, Hannah. See ya. Bye. Thanks, Hannah. See you later. She's a quiet young thing, isn't she? <laughs> <laughs> she kind of plays with lots of energy on the park. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Is there anything else we need to throw into women's football news that we haven't covered yet, team? I don't think so. We talked about the WSL and uh, that's interesting that Sam Kerr's back here. We'll say that again a few more times. He might start popping up on media around (laughs) Perth. Mm. What do you reckon, Pete? A Dynamo BGU is top of the Belarusian Women's Premier League. There you go. So we're not just focusing (laughs) on the men. There is the Women's Belarusian Premier League as well. Pull it out of the hat. There you go. <laughs> ABFF under-19s, they beat B-O-T-S-O-R. It's all in capitals. So I assume that's not a name. It's an acronym. Mm. Uh, 2-0 last night in the Women's Premier League as well. Okay. Which moves them up to fifth. Uh, it just says U19. I, I mean, I read that as under-19. Yeah. but Okay. So there you go. That climbed cool. them up to fifth on the table. There's eight teams in the league. So. Yep.
There you go. So many different circumstances around around the world contributing to different leagues starting up or not. Yes, mm. yes. I watched actually did watch the Bundesliga on um, uh, Foxtel last weekend. I was Frankfurt's my team, and I was really looking forward to it because they're on a three game winning streak and they're playing Mainz, which is the local derby, and yep. Mainz are in the relegation spot. So sweet, easy three points coming up, <laughs> and no, it was actually a two nil away win to Mainz. So Ooh, bad luck. Yeah, I think maybe <laughs> I'm just luck. bad luck for them. I need to get my KO subscription back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cancelled it when there was no football. Yeah, I think everyone did. Yeah. Now everyone's jumping back on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a lot of subscription offers out there at the moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot. Yeah, digital technology is going crazy. It's, um, yeah, both a blessing and a devil in disguise, I <laughs> think. This is Pen, Pete and Miranda. We are going to come back and have a chat with Tony Pinata from Perth Glory. Back soon. Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. Do you want better strata management? Put Prosperity Strata Management at the top of your list. We provide a flat competitive fee with no extra or hidden charges. We provide value for money repairs with contractor prices reviewed regularly. And we provide prompt professional service with 30 years experience, which is why our clients recommend us. Your property is our concern. See prosperitystratamanagement.com.au Station Sponsor. West Coast Futsal accommodates for players of all skill levels and ages. With four great locations around Perth, we have a time and a venue to suit anyone's busy week. social men's, women's or mixed games to A-grade competition, we've got you covered. Games are played night and day, indoor and outdoor, all year round. So grab five mates and come down for a game today. Gate and Fence Hardware WA is your hardware shop online. Find all the parts you need to fix, make and secure your gates and fences. Friendly staff and family offer advice to help your project along or order in your special part. Gate and Fence Hardware WA. Station sponsor. Welcome back to the World Football Program. Thank you everybody for listening in. Football we starting. Sunday week, grassroots, and then all the higher levels after that. So over the next three or four weeks, everyone will be playing football again here in Western Australia and incrementally in other states. We're the lucky state. I feel blessed. I'm happy with that. We have Tony Pinata, the CEO of Perth Glory, on the line. Good morning, Tony. Thank you for joining us. Good morning, Penny. How are you? Fantastic. Appreciate your time today. Give us a little bit of a an outlook on where things are at with Perth Glory and what the fans can expect over the next, uh, I don't know, three, four, six weeks of football. No games in Perth because of the uh, border closure. <laughs> um, so, yeah, look at this stage. We're just finalising all the details, but hopefully the players will be back to training sometime this week. And then, um, you know, potentially playing in July, probably hubbing in, uh, in Sydney for us and Wellington Phoenix. 
Okay. So how does how does that work out with the squad if you're not back in training yet? Is there negotiations to keep the squad together with a potential to start that training and then who might be moving across into the hub system? Is that where you're at? Yeah, exactly. So the only one who's uh, moved on is, uh, is Greg Woodridge. So the rest of the squad yeah. is, uh, is available. Um, and we'll, uh, yeah, do some testing this week and then gets get back on the park, which I think everyone's sort of excited about. Absolutely. Yeah. That's the reason that we all love football. We want to see games. We want to participate in games or be at games. And that's going to be the challenging thing, Tony, those two things. Can we go to games or can we watch games somehow? What what can we offer the fans at this point, Tony? Yeah, we're still negotiating with Fox about uh, telecasting the game. So that'll happen. The FFA and Fox are in discussions about that. So, you know, hopefully they'll, uh, they'll telecast our games. Um you know, initially no crowds, but as you can see now, crowds can probably go and watch some games. And you know, for example, you know, ten percent of capacity. So you might get four or five thousand people going, being able to go watch a game over in, uh, in New South Wales, which is fantastic. That in my head is going to be some challenge to figure out how they're going to manage that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the venue will have to do that. Yeah. One less thing I have to worry about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how do, how do you or how do Perth Glory feel about the hub system of football and managing a program of a professional club being in another state to complete the season? Um, yeah, I mean, the games will be coming thick and fast. You know, so, you know, probably every four days we'll be playing games. We've got the most to play six games, remaining games, of yep. which four were meant to be home games. So, no, look, that's fine. You know, we're uh, we're open to what needs to be done. We'll have a, you know, a good hotel, good training facilities and play the games and hopefully uh, finish high up the ladder and then we have finals. One of the things that concerns me about the season starting uh, relatively quickly after the announcement that we can play football is uh, management of injuries. Uh, I, I know with grass grassroots football, uh, a lot of kids are playing football and um, you know, parents can you know, look out with the coaches and whatever. When we're talking about professional football and, and tackling and, and adults, is there a concern from the club how they're going to manage that differently? Um, yeah, I mean, it's just basically you've got you know, pre-season to be done in four weeks and manage the loads of the players. Um, and that's what the medical staff are there for. They, they know what can and can't be done. Um, you know, four weeks is probably not enough, but... Now, we'll, we'll manage and try and prevent as many injuries as we can because soft tissue injuries, uh, you know, are going to be uh, difficult to, for them to come back. Mm. Yep. Uh, just moving to the A-League hub system is landing in the domestic season, the, the tail end of the new domestic season. Um, what's your thoughts on a move of the A-League season to coincide with the domestic season, i.e. from a summer to a winter sport. Has that been considered with Perth Glory and lots of conversations about the possibility that might happen? Just social media conversation. Nothing's been said at uh, sort of the CEO level or club level. Um, yeah, look, it's a discussion that, you know, you know, do we play winter, do we play summer? There's pros and cons of both. There's the venue mm. availability in winter with uh, rugby and other codes. Um, and then there's, you've got the heat factor in, in summer as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you also got that 
I suppose, a clear, clean space after the AFL and NRL finish. So there's a lot of things to consider. But, yeah, look, it hasn't really reached our level at the moment. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Uh, what about the entire Perth Glory program of football, which is quite massive from the young ones, juniors, youth, etc., right up to the A-League? Has that all been kicking back in as per normal? And do you think that some of the the squad might kind of uh, be called or some of the younger players might be called upon into this hub system to help? Yeah, um, so the academy from our under-13s or under-12s all the way through are in training and this season starts soon, um, right up to NPL. Yeah, definitely. I'm sure Pop will look at some of the uh, youth boys uh, with an opportunity to train and... um, you know, add, add to the squad, you know, because we may have, may have a couple of spots. So it's a good opportunity for someone to, uh, you know, train and who knows, maybe uh, find himself playing a game. I like that you popped in the fact that Popper's coaching there because there's been a little bit of speculation that someone might have nicked him or he might be getting nicked or going elsewhere or whatever. But um, you've pacified me, probably a lot of people, by saying the squad <laughs> – uh, is pretty much sticking together with the yep. coach. That's that's good. We like to hear that. Yeah, no, Pop is staying. That's good. <laughs> Tony, have you heard anything about the Asian Champions League? <laughs> because I really want to see uh, the glory in that. Yeah, look, uh, unfortunately he won't be playing in uh, in Perth again because of the uh, Australia borders. You know, yep. they're self-isolated for two weeks. So, look, at, at the moment, I know all I know is the AFC want to finish the season. Yeah. They may look at a hub model, maybe September, October. Okay. Um, but, yeah, we don't know exactly what that means. Okay. That'd be interesting. Yeah, Pete's just yeah. annoyed because he bought a shirt of some kind. Oh, no, I like the shirt. It's a good shirt. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's a good time to do some merchandising, Tony, get the Perth Glory brand out there and discount some shirts and get them out there in the community in the lead-up to a new season. Definitely, definitely. What's the messages out from Perth Glory to the members at the moment with all this uncertainty? Yeah, I suppose just, you know, thanks for the patience. I know it's been tough on everyone, so we just really need to see how everything's going to look, sit down and, and then, you know, connect with our members and explain what, you know, what we're going to do for next season as well. So um, that'll happen over the next month, I suppose. Just give us a chance to get everything down. Yes. Well, we really appreciate your time today. Thank you very much. I know there's a lot of questions and not so many answers, but uh, hopefully moving towards the hub being confirmed and what is happening in concrete, we'll have another chat and there'll be more answers. All right, no problems. Good on you. Have a good weekend. Thank you. You too. See ya. Thanks, Tony. Bye. That was Tony Pinata, CEO for Perth Glory. More questions than answers, really, but it's good to hear that the squad is going to be together besides um, the Swiss defender who's moved on. Yep. Mm. Well, also, like, right in the early days of the COVID when everything was shutting down, there was a lot of talk about, you know, are we going to have an A-League? You know, will the team survive? That seems to have – that chatter seems to have disappeared. It's it's Mm -hmm. a given that, you know, the A-League's continuing, that the teams are continuing, touch wood. So – uh, and and as I mentioned earlier, even even MacArthur Rams, who are meant to join the A League next season, seem to still be, you know, on target for that. So, mm-hmm. 
that's all good news. And yep. Wellington possibly joining the W League. You know, it still sounds like, despite everything that's going on, that um, you know everyone's still moving forward and, and yep. still growing and expanding. I did see with the Wellington um, wanting to put a team in that um, it's likely that they would be based in Australia rather than be based in Wellington because of the mm. travel Perth costs. Glory to Wellington! Oh my God, what a trip! <laughs> uh, how could we afford it? Yeah, I would not mind that as an away game. Neither would I. Yeah. That'd be absolutely super. But financially, I'm mm. sure the club would go, oh, my God, how do we do this? Mm. I mean, having a Wellington, a team called Wellington and basing them in Australia seems a bit, you know. Beside the point, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pod. Yeah. Well, Wellington Phoenix A-League team is, you know, obviously does a bit of travel every week for yeah. their games. No, but you could imagine a, a if if we didn't have Perth glory in the A-League and then they said we're going to put in a Perth team but they're never going to play in Perth. Mm. Yeah, you'd sort of asked, think, what's yeah. the point, you know? So from Wellington's perspective, what's what's the point in having a, a team that never actually plays in Wellington? Oh, I, I guess it's about the pathway, isn't it? About promoting a pathway for, for, for the Virginia Kiwi New Zealand. Girls, yeah. Yeah. Do you know, I think it's just a bit of fluff and guff. And it's, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I do, totally. Because we're talking about Australia, New Zealand, uh, bid for the Women's World Cup. Mm. And isn't it nice that whenever we say World Cup at the moment, I think everybody thinks of Women's World Cup. Because it's been talked about in the social media. Oh, come on, Pete. Guys. Uh, we're not talking about Men's World yeah, Cup. Sorry. And the, you, if we're talking still, about Australian for football For me, you have to World say Cup. Women's World Cup. Otherwise, I'm, by default, I go to the men's. Come on. Just all the information now out at the moment is about Osbit. Oh, by the way, too, get onside the get onside movement for mm-hmm. the Women's World Cup, Pete, just clarifying. There's a Facebook page, a website page out there, and you can tap like and sign up and basically registers you for all the information that comes out from FFA about the bid, et cetera, et cetera. I signed up and I was the 711,000th, 418th person to sign up. And that, that's oh, as slow. one 2023.com. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you were 7,111 and Four, what? 418. 408. There's now been 711, 640. So there's only been a 100 or so sign up after you. Okay. But I only, I only just yeah. did that in the last 24 hours. Okay. Mm. So, yes, I was you know, 711,000 too slow. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that that's good. I mean, that's like a hell of a lot of people being interested. And just following the social platforms about banter about that, there's – a lot of males and females bantering about it. Mm-hmm. I, I really like that, which yep. is why I said when we talk Women's World Cup, you, people do have in their minds that it's the World Cup. Like we talk World Cup at the moment, it's about the Women's World Cup. It's not about, oh, what do you mean there's no World Cup happening? People automatically know it's about the Women's World Cup. They do, Pete. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I must admit, though, just uh, talking about the Foxtel and the broadcasting, I'm a little bit worried about this. Yeah, because they wanted to dramatically slash what they were paying. Oh, from fifty-seven billion or million or whatever million, it is down million. to about uh, 11, eleven million, million. which yeah. would only just cover production costs. Yeah, really. see, a lot of that money goes directly into the clubs, mm. into the A League clubs. Uh, my understanding was the Foxtel money covers the players' salary. I, I, that was how I understood it worked. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't know where I got that if, from, but that's what I've picked up. They have way. a contractual arrangement that says that's what it's designated to be used for, or it just goes to the club to well, go. Yeah, yeah not necessarily that. That's what it's used for, but it's a case of that's how they can afford some of the international marquee players. Yeah, the and so the on money so on. that the, the 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 salary cap that the clubs have to abide by equals 
the money that Foxtel give them, put yep. it that way. So okay, whether specifically every cent that comes from Foxtel goes into a player's pocket, no, but yep. basically the numbers are the same. Mm. Yep, I mean if you're slashing it by like fifty odd thousand, sorry, 50, 50 million or so, mm-hmm. uh, amongst the however many A League clubs there are, that that is massive mm-hmm. cut to every budget. Mm. I, I also saw with the hub model and Foxtel if they do sort of resume the league in, in July. They were talking about only doing the games on weeknights because obviously Foxtel has other sports as well um, with egg-shaped balls mm-hmm. that they like to do on the weekends. So, um, you know, the, you'd be watching the, the A-League weeknights. Um, what do you think of that? I like that. Yeah, yeah I I'm actually, I was actually, it. that was the thing. I was, I, was, I was like, oh, that's not bad. So you can come home on a Tuesday night and mm-hmm. watch yeah. the glory play, you yep. know? Yep, yep, because yep. let's say we had, so are we talking in summer still? No, no, this is this is for the hub finishing in July. Gotcha. So the games will be played. Like yep. Tony said, they'll be playing a game every, possibly every four, four days. days or yeah. so. But what I had heard is Foxtel's trying to get the games played sort of like Sunday night to, I guess, Thursday night. the broadcasting So school schedules. nights, if you would, Miranda. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm okay so, with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I, I was thinking I, I have no problem with that. I'd quite like the idea of, you know, weeknights, so to speak. The only problem with that is that Miranda and a stack of other clubs will be mm. playing on those nights. Mm. And that's that's one of the other problems about moving the A-League to a winter season in general. Yeah. I know a lot of people talk it up, but... Um, would you actually be able to attend games if you are playing your own games or exactly attending family it, yeah. commitments? Yeah. As, as well as other, yeah. you know, there are people that are sports fans that have a... Eagles or Dockers membership and a Glory membership, yep. and they'll have to choose if, if we go to a winter season. Cool choice. Yeah. So, well, it'd be easy <laughs> for us, wouldn't it? Oh, I think, you know, we're all diehards. We'd be yes. going to the Glory. But, mm. yes. but you, I could see, you know, people that, that follow both sports and suddenly if they're both playing at the same time, you've got to make the call one way or another. So if there was a winter season yep. and I had games coaching or whatever on Sundays, that's yep. my dedicated Football day, yep. I think it is for most people yep. at grassroots. And then you have the A-League on, say, a Friday night, Friday night or a Saturday night. Yep. You'd have to make sure th- the domestic season would need to then schedule their games so they couldn't clash. Absolutely. So I think that would be possible. Like, oh, it'd, be, it'd be possible. It'd just be like an extra hassle, shall we say, to it. Once they sort it out, though, and going forward – um, the biggest thing is going to be the broadcasting, absolutely without question. Whoever yep. takes up the broadcasting on that mm. is going to have to either, I don't know, delay it or offset it or schedule it into those other sports that are competing in those spaces because if we want the money, we've got to choose a broadcaster that has the the wide base and that is at the moment Fox. I don't know. Are they, are they the top of the broadcasting to get list? I mean, well, or KO or Optus or well, I think KO is KO is Fox Tell anyway. It is, yeah. But um, I think the A League was at its peak broadcasting wise when um, Fox had both the A League and the EPL because they tended to run into one another. Yep. So you'd sort of like, yeah, you'd watch the A League game, then you'd watch the EPL. Um, EPL has obviously gone over to Optus now. So whether there's some sort of plus if we get Optus, mm. you know, so maybe we need to make a few calls to Optus. So that's right. Yep. I wonder uh, if um, the likes of Simon Hill will um, pop up with Optus. I would. I would. Ima- well, I don't want to speculate on air, but mm. I would imagine that whoever wants to drive a dump truck full of money up to his front door and tip it out, he'll go with them. <laughs> as as would most people. Mm. Yep. Uh, yeah. He. 
he's actually surprised me by coming onto this program and still chatting with us, but he has a very big toolbox of conversations. Yeah. Um, you know, the historical archive, football, interest in seeing the game grow. That's all expanded in the last couple of years. Yep. He's become more vocal about that. And Fox Sports have allowed him to do that because they're his employer. They've allowed him to have those conversations. But sometimes they're a bit challenging, I've I got to admit, and – at the moment because the broadcast deal is not on the table and it's kind of part of the conversation we have and we don't have it when we're talking with him on air yep. because we like him to come back and keep talking <laughs> on air to us. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a little bit of a testy one. I mean, there's a lot of commentators out there that aren't doing – they're not appearing on um, their usual broadcasting schedules at the moment because, you know, mm. there's no football happening. Um, there's a lot of people sitting at home doing what the rest of us are doing. Yep. Isn't that interesting, doing what the rest of us are doing? And that's waiting for it all to restart. Yeah, waiting for it all to restart. I don't know that some of us volunteers were actually waiting for it to restart. I think we were actually out there helping it to restart. Yeah, yeah. Was anyone out there? You, were you so, sitting out there waiting for it to restart? Because I, I didn't actually do any sitting. Well, because I, I'm not I involved with the just, club this yeah, season, I know, I'm, I'm, I'm feet yep. up and cold <laughs> beer in hand. Yeah. <laughs> Staring blankly at the TV, waiting for some sport to come on. Do you know? I was watching the marble racing on YouTube. Oh, that was no. really fun to watch. Marbles. I have to tell you that <laughs> marbles was one of my big sports. I was a pretty good marbles player in primary school. Still got my marbles. I no, still no, no, have no. It's not. It's not marbles. that kind of marbles. It's, no? it's it's like motor racing in the form of they marbles. They like them ramps. Yeah, they have like no a, a racetrack. Mm-hmm. And they have okay. commentators for it as well. And that yeah, they commentate it like mm-hmm. a proper Formula One so, race. No, and where's, it's where's the marble name? They just it. make up teams. Oh, look, I'll, I'll put a link on the – I know Why? it's not football, Why? but I'll put a link on the world football. No, so if I, anyone's I, listening and is like, what the <laughs> hell are you talking about? Because the first two minutes I watched, I went, you know, what the hell is this? The next two minutes was, this is stupid. And after that I was like, oh, my God, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> I'll, I'll chuck a link up on it. hit the airwaves. Yeah. Okay. Everybody, thank you for listening in today. You've been absolutely fantastic. Thanks for your comment on Facebook. Uh, Peter Wright, you're amazing. Miranda, thank you for being part of the team. No worries. Pete, as always. No worries. Cheeky and sassy. Keep it going. (laughs) And everybody who joins us as a partner, listener, audience member, we do appreciate it. This is the World Football Program on 107.9 FM next week. Sean's in talking more football and I'm back again in two weeks with a different team. We like to rotate things and just get a whole different stack of stuff happening in the two hours. Thank you, everyone. Len and Bags Groove and the Jazz Program is up next. Join us again next week at the same time for the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM.